Welcome to Tomorrow's People, brought to you by Personio and me, Perry Timms. We're asking the questions and bringing in the guests who have perspectives and views on a range of topical things for now and next. I'm really pleased for this guest to come and talk to you because not only did we meet in the social circumstance of a conference in Manchester that the CIPD had put on, but we've kept in touch, we've collaborated, and we share a number of things in common. <laughs> Firstly, our love of American football and music, but also the belief that we have work to do within HR and the people profession, and we have a lot of opportunities and challenges we should stand strongly in, be equitable and clear about what our outcomes are, and push ahead. Frank Douglas. Thank you, Perry. Well, and. If I ever need a new business development director, okay. I'm going to hire you. I'm on, I'm on, I'm on. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's over 10 years, uh, Frank, yeah. since we first met. And, and it's been interesting journeys for yes. us in that time, to use that cliche. But the Frank Douglas story, I always love to hear. So for those new to Frank Douglas and want to know a bit more about what got you here, what's the Frank Douglas story? Oh, I, I wouldn't want to bore your audience with all of it, yeah. um, Perry, but I, I, I guess I'll, I'll start at the beginning. You know, kind of Mary Poppins, let's start in the beginning. Nice. So born in Jackson, Mississippi, deep south of, of the U.S., not always um, what I would consider the great starting point. Jackson, Mississippi, then and now, right. um, lowest reading grades in the U.S., wow. lowest in the U.S., lowest GDP um, in the U.S., the hotbed and the center of gravity for the Ku Klux Klan wow. and the civil rights movement. Right. It's the home of one of the most terrible, among many terrible stories of the civil rights movement, Emmett Till, right. who was a 14-year-old yep. boy who was killed um, for supposedly flirting with a white woman. Story, yeah. um, and if you're yeah. ever in Washington, D.C., yeah. any of you or your audience, um, the African American Museum, right. there's a whole room. His casket is there, actually. Oh. But started there. And yeah. like many black families, my family migrated to the north. Okay. And we moved to New York City, to yeah. a part of New York City called the Bronx, yeah, no, no, no. and a part of the Bronx called the South Bronx. Yeah. Now, you would think that's a step up. Not mm. really. Okay. The South Bronx, when I was raised there, was number one yeah. in the U.S. in murder. Oof. Number one in murder. Number one in arson. Oof. Number one in arson. Number one in aggregate assault. Oof. Number one in rape. And number one, um, not number one, but 40% of the Bronx was abandoned or burnt out. And as a 18-year-old, 21-year-old black man, you are more likely to be dead or in jail wow. than to get a college degree. Wow. I kind of, um, like many parents, my mother started me on piano. Okay. Um, and, you know, I took, learned classical piano. Yeah. But I realized there's no street cred in the Bronx <laughs> studying Mozart and Beethoven. Right. <laughs> right. So I switched to trumpet. Okay. And, and kind of excelled at trumpet oh. and got accepted into the formal name as the Fiorello LaGuardia High School of Music and Art. Wow. Fiorello LaGuardia was a mayor yeah. of New York back in the 30s, I think. Yeah. Most people know it as the fame school. Yeah. Um, so people like De Niro and Al Pacino oh. were graduates. Yeah. And then way down on the list was myself. Oh. I can't pick my leg up and dance on a table, uh, but, <laughs> but hey. I can. And, um, you know, I was a semi-professional trumpet player. Um, as I say, we played weddings and bar mitzvahs. Um, but as every struggling trumpet player does... I decided I better go into human resources. Okay. I went into finance first and, okay. and human resources. And just to fast track, because you know, I can yeah. talk about that. Um, 20 years ago or so, came to the UK. Okay. My wife was from here. I met her in New York. Right. 
came over working for British Telecom as the head of strategy, right. and then spent about five years or so with Shell, most mm. of that in The Hague, yep. as their global director of exploration. And then a, a variety of chief people officer roles, mm. starting with Transport for London. Mm-hmm. We can talk about that at one another time. Sure. As well as um, a company called Mises, yep. um, now called um, Finestra, which is a fintech company. Yep. And then the chief people also for a company called Scottish and Newcastle, beverage yeah. and beer company. No, wow. And I always say, Perry, that's the one that got away. I bet. I was sitting up in Edinburgh, had a <laughs> fridge in my office of Newcastle Brown Ale. Oh, wow. We had a pub on the third floor. Yay. And I had a free membership to the Whiskey Club right oh. off of Princess Street where, where we were. Wow, but wow. Um, I digress. Oh. And then for the last seven years, um, I guess, Jermaine, to many of our conversations today, yeah. you know, I started Kara's executive with yeah. my my partner. Yeah. We work with companies around leadership, yep. culture, and inclusion. Yep. We think we have a client list that any McKinsey partner would be proud of, mm, you know, because nice. we're a pure play consulting firm. Yeah. So if you think of the five broadcasters in the UK, yeah. we would count four of them as clients. Wow. Think of the pharmaceutical industry, mm-hmm. Roche, the largest. We would count Roche as a client, as Brilliant. well as Santa Fe and Pfizer. Nice. Music business, three major music companies, Universal oh. being the largest. We would count Universal and Warner as clients. And then oh. it branches out from... Network Rail to Royal Mail to Deliveroo to wow. Hogan and Lowell's on the Lawfield side to MNC Saatchi to wow. Skansker and a host of others. So, um, so I've seen the world, and yeah. I, I guess I have, as, as 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 you would know, and I say humbly, I still have the dubious distinction, which we can get into a bit. Yeah. I still have the dubious distinction of being the only black male yeah. chief people officer for a FTSE 100 company. Wow. There's never been before me a black male wow. chief people officer in the FTSE 100, and I left the corporate world about eight years ago. Yeah. There's not been one since. Wow. That speaks to UK PLC. Yeah. Speaks to HR, but yeah. I'll leave that um, for you to yeah. probe and for you know wherever you want to go with that. Pretty but sure, that's yeah. that's probably a little longer background on myself. But that's that's oh, kind of who I am. I think that's really important because I think the whole character of you needs to come through in these kind of things. Because yeah. we so often just look at the kind of job description portfolio, right? <laughs> yeah. and we know there's more to people than that. I love the musicality reference and so on. And I mean, I'd have loved to thought that sometimes when you were in those board scenarios and people were talking about a product differentiation or whatever you were like so what yeah you know, channel miles davis right yeah, yeah. um but boom tish i'm here all week um, yeah. but really encouraging that some of those big brands are knocking on your door going frank help us out yeah and, and tell us a little bit more about the things that they're asking for yeah. help with yeah i mean it, it's it, it's very interesting because it you know like as, as you would know and in, in many of your audiences starting a business is not yeah, all yeah. you know peaches and cream yeah you know it, it's, yeah. it's a tough one yeah and when we started um, Karis, mm. um, it may sound kind of odd, but we we were first movers in that we were the only consulting firm, boutique consulting firm, yep. f- offering a service. Okay. Seven years ago, what most people were doing was taking off-the-shelf products, unconscious yeah. buyers, training, inclusive yeah. training, whatever it was. Yeah. And they felt, oh, we got this covered. Okay. We got all the off-the-shelf okay. products that we need. Right. And we're saying, no, each company is unique. Yeah. It's contextual to you. Your culture is not an industry yeah. culture. You need to think about your yeah. things. And um, and that was a tough sell. Yeah. What happened, the, I say humbly, the market caught up to us. Ah, yeah. They realized we put all those products yeah. in. And we're still not making a difference. So companies come to us. um, They have a couple of different itches, I would say. They have hired women or underrepresented staff, and they're not keeping them. Like, oh, what happened there? Right. Um, 
or through their employee surveys, they realize that certain segments are scoring much lower than the dominant culture. And then you have some that are just enlightened. Okay. And realize, right. you know, like software development yeah. where, you know, you, Apple releases Apple 14. They know they're working on 15. They have updates to their software, 16.0, 16.5. Yeah. There's some enlightened cultures that say, you know, we're at culture 1.0. Yeah. Let's start thinking about 2.0. Let's yeah. not just sit on our laurels, yeah, yeah. but let's always evolve our culture like yeah. you would evolve a product. Yeah. And so there's those that are not nice. because of any issues, but who are just like, yeah. we view this as, as, as a competitor advantage. Yeah. And so our clients, you know, they, they, yeah. they, 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 they run the scope of that. Yeah. We don't focus on diversity. And, right. and then if I can just mm. speak to that a little bit, mm. because one of the things I've learned um, in this is that people actually confuse and conflate diversity and inclusion. Nice. Yeah. And right. what you find in many companies is you ask them an inclusion question. Yep. You get a diversity answer. <laughs> so if I ask a client, if I ask the CEO, tell me what your company's doing around inclusion, they'll yeah. say, well, we've increased the number of women by X percent. We yeah. got more people of color in this right. great level than we have. And we got a entry level graduate scheme program where we focused yeah. on, you know, increasing underrepresented groups. And I'm like, no. That's yeah. diversity. Yeah, nice. And 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 the challenge with inclusion, um, and 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 this where it, it would be um, interesting, Perry, to get yeah. your thoughts. It's actually transformation. Yeah. <clears throat> it is challenging yeah. the basic assumptions of how you do things yeah. because the reality is, in most organizations, the decision makers are at the top of the pyramid. Yeah. And the underrepresented groups tend to be at the bottom of the pyramid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if you continue making your decisions just at the top of the pyramid, you've left money on the table. You haven't gotten the return on investment. You haven't unlocked the benefits, whichever way you want to go, um, of diversity. And so one of the biggest challenges to inclusion is hierarchy. Yeah. Yeah, I recognize that and I'd agree with that because I am stated as a bit anti-hierarchical for all sorts of reasons. (laughs) And I do have the philosophy that if you create an environment where there is equity in power and the dispersal of and decision-making and so on, it should be a natural consequence. It creates more inclusion. Now, what I recognize is that we all hold some lived experiences, biases, misunderstandings, right? And we sometimes are a bit clumsy or a little bit deliberate and it can be still exclusive. So I I see it. And and I'm a bit like you when it came to those off-the-shelf tools, right? So I took an unconscious bias test, and I'm not afraid to say this. (laughs) I did all right, which I felt very good about, (laughs) right? However, I did question myself going, was I really true with those answers, or did I yeah. think I was being tested? Did they right? test your reaction to the Green Bay Packers? Did they no. flash that on you? No. Because yeah, that, that would have, have shown all your biases. Total <laughs> acid test, exactly that, yes. exactly that. Yeah. Um, I, I came out as being kind of overcompensating for people with disabilities, and I had a bit of a paranoia about that, thinking, right. what patronizing rubbish am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that didn't take me that far, but what has taken me into an area where I'm much more aware of it is, the conversations I've had with people about lived experiences and, yeah. and the put the foot in moments and the step back because you're not sure moments. I'm like, whoa, what have I been doing? Yes. And so that where that's where I think hierarchies just create a whole different closed shop view yes. on that. Yeah. 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 I'm with you on that. Yeah. And and you know, and 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 part of the 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 issue is that, you know, i know I, I will rankle some people in the, in this profession, but yeah. DNI yeah. has a huge overlap to HR. 
Yeah, there, there's a view out there yeah. that you know you do DNI, yeah, or yeah, yeah. but you know p- part of why I yeah. think um, we have the client list we have and yeah. make a plug. You know, yeah. we've been shortlisted for personnel today for the HR yeah. consultancy right. of the year. Very nice. Um, Good. And um, it's because it's about culture change. You yeah. and I know that you know yeah. culture change involves changing the context of yeah. an organization. Yeah, you just can't be an advocate. You just no. can't be passionate. You no. need to understand the tools of that context, yeah. reward, yeah. leadership, behavior, structures. Yeah. All HR levers, and I yeah. think part of why we've been successful is that we approach it as a change yeah. program, as a transformation program. Yeah. I guess that's revelationary in some respects. Clearly not to you because you are thinking about the whole system. Yeah. And this whole shift and transformation to me means you'll never be the same again. Yeah. And I guess that's what you're you're doing is you're saying there's a line in the sand and there's a future and that future has to be more inclusive because we've got to start with things like the behaviours and the artefacts that we recognise that could symbolise certain things yes. and restrictions, right? So I think this is where it gets sometimes people in knots because they're like, oh, it's too complicated. I've got too many data points. I don't quite know where to settle yeah. on it. Do you get that? Do you get people saying, here you go, Frank, here's the whole bucket of complexity? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's too, 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 too difficult. And yeah. But part of that, you know, um, a slight segue brings us to the HR profession itself. Right, yeah, good. Because I, I say respectfully, so I've been here mm, 20 years now, mm. so I know before I'm about to insult someone, I, you always say respectfully exactly. in the UK. Yeah, yeah so with yeah. all due respect yeah. to the HR profession, Yeah. The HR profession is part of the, the yeah. barriers. Yeah. And yeah. if I just stick on the DNI topic for a second and then I'll move yeah. away from that, yeah. is is the problem is that it, it, the role of HR in many organizations is to justify and maintain this myth of meritocracy. Yeah. They've put in the policies, yeah. the program, the procedures, and their role in many ways is to protect the myth of meritocracy. Well put. Anyone focusing on DNI. Their role is to challenge the myth of meritocracy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where the clash is. Yeah. That's where the clash is. Yeah. And so, you know, to, to me, the I, I, I always tell someone, you know, that you'll never get a straight answer to this. Yeah. But if you were to get a straight answer, all you need to do ultimately is ask your CEO yeah. or your chief people officer, yeah. do you believe in the myth of meritocracy? Yeah. That is yeah. that able-bodied, heterosexual yeah. white men yeah. are the most capable in the world. Yeah, yeah. You know, You'll never get a straight answer to that, no. but the fact is, some of them believe yes. Yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah. that. And, and 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 that's your starting point in, is, in, in this it? whole conversation. It really is, and I yeah. know Nilifer Merchant's work turned my view of meritocracy on its head a bit because she said everywhere you go, it is a myth. It's it's used to deflect from the uncomfortable things yes. that need to be surfaced yeah. and worked through, right? So I really like that. And I kind of had a belief on meritocracy, and this talks to what you're saying there. It's like, but I held that so strongly. I believed that if you had the endeavour and the effort and the results and the network and everything else, you know, you should be ordained as worthy, yes. right? <laughs> yeah. And then she turns it on its head, and I'm like, whoa. However, I totally got what she said. It's like... But your meritocracy is governed by what game you're playing and who's yes. playing, setting the rules. Absolutely. For it, right? Yeah. And then my belief, and this is again what I want to touch on with you, actually, Frank, because you've sparked this in me. My belief then was both shattered and reassembled in a way that I felt much more comfortable with. Yeah. And I, and I do want to touch on that because I don't believe every belief we have is an unmovable rock of an object. Yes. Is that how you would see it? Or? Yeah. No, yeah. I I think they they. Beliefs and, 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 and values yeah. can be changed, yeah. but 
again, if you go back to principles of, of transformation yeah. Yeah. and change, is that you got to change the context. Right. And so what happens in many cases, I'll take you know one kind of yeah. you know um, case, is that an organization will send their employee out to a inclusive leadership program yeah. or an accelerator program, yeah. which I hate the term. Yeah. Um, and bring them back yeah. and think, okay, yeah, yeah. well, first off, it's not the employee that needs no. to be fixed. No. But the bigger issue yeah. is that they haven't changed the context. Totally and so, right. you know, my 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 simple yeah. analogy is, is like sending someone to a non-smoking course <laughs> and then bringing them back to a house of smokers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> what yeah. do you think is going to happen? Yeah, that, right? <laughs> yeah. Social norms, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and so, you know, what you find yeah. is inclusion. It's a word thrown around yeah. by everyone. There are very few actually focused on inclusion. Yeah. What most are focused on yeah. are assimilation. Assimilation, yeah. That's and, and, and that's yeah. that's that's the challenge and why the dial hasn't. Because what yeah. they've done is said, let's put in programs and yeah. systems that are going to get these new, yeah. diverse yeah. thinking and minds up to speed very yeah. quickly yeah. with how we do things here. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> As opposed to them really, and that's, that's yeah. the transformational part, figuring out how can we challenge the underlying assumptions of our system, exactly. de-bias them yeah. to move our systems closer to this population we've recruited. Yeah. And most companies are not taking that transformation approach. It's more of an information approach. It's okay. more of a simulation approach. Yeah. But HR is right in the middle yeah. of that. Assimilation, I think, is a really strong word. So I want to bring that out because you've just made me flash back and also um, uh, just to what I'm hearing and picking up that, that that that's not a word that's used enough about that kind of stuff. It, yeah. I, d I don't want to create it as a totally dirty word, but I do want it to be upper mind in our yes. conscious, right? So thank you for that. And and, and and I go back to times when I've worked with employers and, and, and I work with the civil service quite some time, yes. right? And it introduced staff networks Yeah. as a result of the Stephen Lawrence inquiry. Right. And systemic racism. Now, to me, being brought up in multicultural, believe it or not, Northampton, and I say believe it or not because not everybody <laughs> would have said that. Yes. I was I was in a class yeah. with people from Jamaica, Barbados, Pakistan, uh, Kenya, uh, Canada, Israel, Yugoslavia at the time, uh, Ireland, uh, even Sri Lanka, I remember. Yes. Right? And so I thought it was a norm, yeah. right, that you were with people from different um, heritages and, and so on. They were second generation parents came over the Windrush in some examples. And I used to feel like, I want to know what's going on here. So, yes. uh, you know, when you're 12 and stuff, you probably aren't socially aware and you ask questions. Like, how come? Yes. You know? Yeah. And, and what I got back was some brilliant answers. Yeah. They really, really So when I saw networks coming in i was kind of thinking oh okay so this this is what i experienced at school yes. coming into the workplace yeah. in a way that raises the consciousness because i saw the attachment to the systemic racism yes. agenda at the time and i got very attached to those networks yeah. and, and and of course we now would call them employee representative groups right yeah yeah but that was a long time ago yes we're still doing it right? <laughs> we're to still doing point. that and you know i I'm not sure if I'll be up in Manchester for the yeah. CRP, but you know I have no doubt that there'll be a company, yeah. you know, unfortunately, who'll yeah. say, you know, look at what we're doing. We have yeah. employee resource yeah. groups, yeah, and we've yeah. done some inclusive yeah. um, leadership training yeah. for our team, and yeah. you know, we, we're on top of it. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah. it, it like I say, there's still a product mentality, yeah, 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 and and that sense of challenging the myth of meritocracy.
meritocracy yeah. still is one HR runs from. You've made me think about that as very chintzy, almost like yeah. just like the, the, the crockery you never use. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh. Well, it's a starting point and it's yeah. good, but it yeah. is not the whole journey. Yeah. It's not the whole journey. Now, it's the easy the- for it. Sorry, I love this transformation uh, kind of feel that you're talking about there because in my mind, all I can now see is how could we be yeah. both in performance sense and in a relational sense and then the opportunity and the and, and just the egalitarianism of it yeah. all, right? I mean, again, I, I'm an optimist and, and I go to that. Uh, um, uh, and whilst I like to think that's possible, clearly the fact that you're so busy means... It's not there yet, right? No. no. If, partly is it's about um, the language and the right. f- the framing, the framing. Right. And right. so, so I, I I I've been privileged to work with three CEOs, give or take, yeah. in my lifetime as yeah. the chief people officer. Yeah. Don't hold me to this literally, but there, there, there's 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 three things I think is on every CEO's mind. Yep. If they're in a trader company, particularly. Okay. If they're yeah, in a yeah. trader company, yeah, there's yeah. three things on yeah. their mind yeah. that you have to add an HR. So it's not just about yeah. DNI, you have to plug into. So the first thing that I think is on every CEO's mind is value creation. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you're in a trader company, value creation, yeah, yeah. you live and die by, because in fact, your bonus is probably Completely. tied to total shareholder return. Yeah. So value creation is on every CEO's mind, yeah. in, in, in my mm-hmm. view. Um, the, 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 the other is organizational blind spots, because yeah. that's really your strategy. Yeah. What is it we're not seeing around the yeah. corner? And that's what you, know, that's what yeah. you deal in so yeah. passionately, is that future. Yeah. Yeah. What are we not seeing around yeah. the corner? So organizational blind spots, you Very do, nice. every CEO does. Yeah. And then the last thing, again, particularly in a public traded company that they focus on, is alpha performance. Uh, we have to outperform our competitors because right. in, in, in the investment world, sure. beta performance is your fund yeah. is trading to the average. Alpha performance, yeah. you're outperforming the markets yeah. Yeah. and your competitors. Yeah. There is no company where the CEO gives his key objectives, her, his or her key objectives, Average objectives. It's like, oh, Perry, for 2023, you just do average. No. (laughs) You need to outperform, you know, um, everyone else. So value creation, organizational blind spots, and alpha performance. We as HR, whatever we do, we can't just be talking about HR stuff. We got to figure out how do we plug into one of those three things. It could be DNI. It could be about talent. Yeah. um, Yeah. And so if I just comment, you know, because I've worked in the UK and here, one, one of the big differences I find is I've yet to have go to an HR presentation on anything where the reason they gave for doing something was we believe this will create competitor advantage. Yeah. I've never heard the word wow. competitor advantage wow. in any presentation as the basis wow. for why we do things. Because ultimately... Yeah. What we should be doing as HR is having the competition fear us. I know what you mean. You know, it's like, oh, Jesus, you know, yeah. Perry and that team over there in, in the widget company, what yeah. are they going to do next? Because yeah. they, you know, yeah. they keep beating us to the market on yeah. on people and talent and yeah. resources. Um, and so, yeah. you know, even HR is not focused on alpha performance, which yeah. drives the company's alpha performance. I've never heard, and you, yeah. you, you go to a lot of things, you yeah. know, when's the last time you heard competitor advantage is why we're doing this? 
the only thing I can talk to is where people put the fictional war for talent in. That's the <laughs> enemy, right? Yeah. Uh, and so it doesn't, you know, employee value proposition and brand stuff can sometimes talk to, but they again they sort of seem to demonise the talented individuals as like yeah. we, we you know we we've got to get their choice. Yeah. Not we've got to be better than them because the choice will happen yeah. naturally, right? Yes. Uh, you've really pulled three strong <laughs> things there. Yeah. Um but but they absolutely are critical. And value creation, let's get this right. I've just come come off a podcast, uh, a webinar talking about this. That's not just the financials, is it? No. It's much bigger than that, yes. right? Yeah. Well you got to realize not you, but you know you realize yeah. and, and what leaders need to realize is that human resources and financial resources are very similar in one way. Right. And that is they both gravitate to the highest rate of return. Okay. I and like so what there. that's what you got to be focused on is that as, as from a talent and HR yeah. point of view, you got to provide me and your employees the highest rate of return because that's what finance is. Yeah, finance money moves to the highest rate of return, as we've seen in the in the markets. Exactly, <laughs> we need to really embed that, and people still don't get that, which is the competitive advantage. Is that talent, human resources, yeah. also similar to financial resources, yeah. moves to the highest level of return, and we just don't always focus on yeah. it from that point of view. I feel like you've come up with a philosophical, almost Obama esque drop the mic <laughs> thing there, because I hadn't created the same kind of magnetic force people in the way that you just did because that higher rate of return isn't just financial yeah yeah i mean you can whatever it is yeah everything exactly exactly and and it's really funny how i think we're tapping into both emotion in human beings and cognition in human beings yeah because those two things will need to combine to make that choice yes um so that that i love the value creation bit i absolutely love because i'm really advocating frank for a broader palette on what we look at when we talk about value and people yeah. because i think some of the tension behind why people haven't lent in more avidly to being more equitable and inclusive is because they're kind of thinking we're doing all right yeah uh, optics let's keep mm-hmm. that bit right yeah do you know what i mean yes. they, they haven't felt the performance kicking the groin yes to want to do it but <laughs> yeah. but you you know that actually the more diverse, inclusive, and absolutely equitable you are, the, yeah. the better you are all around, yeah. right? And 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 unfortunately, Perry, you know what we've seen and what I've seen in companies, you know, inside and out, is that companies tend to only do things when they have to. Yeah, and that's unfortunate because you know I I, I look I look at before COVID. Yeah. You know, I mean, there was a headline, I think it was Unilever. There was a headline that Unilever was piloting flexible working in New Zealand. Remember it. New Zealand. And they were piloting flexible working. Yeah. They didn't really want to do it. I I had a, you know, I had a client who was was going to pilot, pilot flexible working in in, in one of their divisions. Right. They didn't want to do it. COVID made them do it. Yeah. And so, you know, everyone, you know, future of work is hybrid and remote. My cynical side says as we move further away from it and back to the norm, they will default back to where they were four years ago, which is we don't have to do this. Uh, I like to see my battalion outside my office and presentism. Um, Yeah. And and similar is how the EDI agenda, particularly yeah. the race agenda, yeah. you know, wasn't until you know May twenty sixth, twenty twenty. They had to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, you know, no one wanted to really talk about race before then. Believe me, it, it was part of my business model. Yep. Um, and you know, everyone talked about it for yep. a year or so, 
And as we move further yeah. and further away, yeah. unless there's another reason for a huge intervention, uh-huh. it'll start dropping exactly. down. So, so yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the, there's a challenge there that even, you know, which as I say, is why sometimes you have to frame it within those sure. three areas. Sure. Because um, sometimes, you know, the inertia, you know, it's physics. It, it will stay, you know, not yeah. in motion. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right to think about it as a sort of physics-based uh, calculation or even a quantum physics <laughs> calculation, which blows my mind all the time. But I totally get what 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 you're saying there, because I suppose when people are reflecting on, oh, yeah, we did, didn't we then? Uh, and But that means we're not quite so avid on it now. Yeah. And they'll go, ah, but that's because Ukraine <laughs> yeah. war, yeah. the cost of living. Uh, and and they'll just create a stack of problems, yes. won't they? And just go, well, it's one of many. So, you know, what would you do if you yeah. were me? But, but the inverse of that, I think, is what you're talking to from some of your clients who want to go to version 2.0 and 3.0, yes. right? Yes, That's the stuff where it's like, that's how you get on top of this. Yes, cluster. absolutely. Right. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. they're all they're all competing for resources and there's yeah. supply chain. They're competing for talent, and yeah. everyone will tell you, um, you know, yeah. skill, talent is talent is an issue yeah. we have a um, challenge with. Yeah. Well, start looking at alpha performance and yeah. and and all those aspects. And that's so, it. you know, it, in, in my long career, yeah. you know, um, it was only in 2003. Um, for about nine months, I worked for one manager. I right. learned more in that nine months wow. than I learned every wow. year before then. Wow. I was sent to The Hague with Shell. Yep. I must have upset someone because they put me with the meanest, the Oof. toughest oil right. man that right. they had. Okay. You know, and so, um, you know, if they had a problem in Brunei, they sent him. If they had a problem in Nigeria, he was to fix it. If they had wow. a problem in, in, in Oman, he fixed it. Okay. And they said, you go be his HR director. And he wasn't a big fan of HR folks wow. on top of that. And I'm like, okay, what yeah. did I say yeah. at that party <laughs> six months ago? Yeah. Um, yeah. Brian basically... He, he basically opened up every meeting. I mean, this is his leadership team, petroleum yep. engineers, yep. the finance people. Yep. Basically with the mantra, um, who has barrels on the table for me? Okay. Oil company. Yeah. Um, and that was his view. Who has right. barrels on the table? And so I, I learned yeah. in those nine months, I can't come to him and talk no. about centralization or decentralization. <laughs> no. I could come and say, you know, we have too many petroleum engineers on that one asset and we're duplicating the efforts in those five assets. If we centralize this one, we can reduce the costs. Yep. We could possibly increase production yep. um, and we can make the organization more efficient. Here's my barrel on the table, yeah. Brian. And I was, yeah, okay, let, let, let's let's talk about that. Right. And, and so yeah. I learned that, you know, yeah. every... HR person yeah. needs to find out what their equivalent barrels on the oh, table is nice phrase. Like it. and plug into it. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. don't, don't, don't speak to your CEO as you do to the HR folks yeah. in Manchester. Yeah. You know, yeah. find out what their barrels on the table are yeah. and plug into that yeah. and, 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 and use that as your rationale. Yeah. So that whole commercial part of value creation, we need yeah. to learn yeah. the equivalent of barrels on the table in yeah. our organizations. Because that's the alpha performance thing. Yeah. And that's the value creation, as you say. I mean, it absolutely talks to the top and tail of your messaging there. But 
all too often that seems to be out of reach, not in mind, and I'm still flabbergasted by it. I remember, like you will, the CIPD's business savvy agenda. Do you remember that? Yeah. And I think it had massive intent, and I think it did start to put a little spark in some people's minds about actually don't forget that that's what you're doing it for. Because I think we had got lost a bit. Yeah. Yeah, both in identity and in, in role and purpose and so on. This podcast is brought to you by Personio. Personio is the all-in-one HR solution for now and the future. We help HR teams recruit, onboard, manage, pay and develop employees more efficiently. And our easy-to-use solution works across every part of the employee lifecycle. Automate your people processes and gain time back for more impactful work, like creating your people strategy. After all, everything starts with people. To find out what Personio can do for you and your business, head to personio.com. That's P-E-R-S-O-N-I-O.com. Now, I have seen, and, and in fact, on this podcast series, we've got a few people acutely aware and that gives me yeah, hope. Yes. But it still feels like it's an exception rather than a rule, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, here's the other side of this. Right. We can't do that because I think part of what we've lost as a profession mm-hmm. is our core reason for being, which is the employee advocate. Okay. You know, still, you know, that that foot in the door yeah. um, that we sometimes as a profession need to be and do. Right. I think we've lost that a bit. Okay. Um, and I know I, 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 I speak to, you know, HR professionals and mm. they're like, you know, part of the problem is, you know, someone filed a grievance and the HR people actually sided yeah. with the managers. Yeah. They, you know, they, they, yeah. they're always siding with right. the manager or whatever the case may be. And yeah. part of what I think has happened, um, with all due respect. Here we go. Is I think HR is suffering a little bit from the Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. I think we have, you know, the language yeah. for the last 10 to 15 years is we want to be business partners. Exactly. We want to have a seat at the table. Exactly. We're not eight. In fact, you have some of the senior people saying, I'm not an HR person. Yeah. I'm a business person. Yeah. And so we, we've tried yeah. to get in good and be liked and kind by, yeah. I won't say the captors, <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. but, you know, there, 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 there's this, yeah. you know, there, there, there's a sense of a cent- Stockholm syndrome there that when it comes to being the employee advocate yep. and, and being the lone voice in the room, yep. I think we possibly sometimes give that up yep. in favor of I'm a business person and I want to be liked by the business. I totally get what you mean by that. And I've seen that and I could testify to that too. There's an almost liminal space there of not belonging anywhere really and desperately (laughs) trying to please in some respects. But but I really do recognise the employee advocacy bit is strong. And and my hope, and again, I do hope a lot actually, I ought to (laughs) back it up sometimes with strategies, but I do my best, is that um, vehicles like... um, inclusion in in the absolute truest sense of the word and the performance agenda in balance with ESG type commitments yes might give us a chance to find a space where we can stand more firmly yes as 
agitator, architect, mm -hmm. and, yeah. you know. <laughs> yes. I, I just reckon there's a paradoxical thing that we're just not comfortable enough with. No. I don't know whether that's a view you share, but I, I'm starting to think that now. We ought to talk like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, we, we talk about, and I think even the um, CIPD, it's not, not to slag off the CIPD, but I think yeah. in, 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 the, in, the, in the professional map, yep. there's a value around courage. Yes. Which I find kind of ridiculous. Yeah, the army doesn't even have a value of courage. <laughs> yeah, you know we true. don't. The army doesn't recruit people and yeah. say you got to be courageous. Yeah, good. Point, it's an yeah. output. Yeah, of of, of of belief yeah. and purpose and yeah. and, and mission. Um, so I, I I find that interesting. But the the other thing is, you know, I define courage when I when I was hiring someone. You know, courage to me is tell me, give me an example of where you championed an unpopular cause. That to me is courage nice. in a professional like sense. Did, yeah. And if you ask that to a lot of people, yeah. you know, champion something in the unpopular cause, nine people in the room and you're the one still over there, but you've championed your cause, that's courage. Yeah. And I think, you know, if HR people can give examples of that and, and yeah. build more examples of that, then we're yeah. on the right path. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, we, we got to continue. We, we got to make sure that part of our role yeah. is champion the unpopular cause. It's funny, you know, because the CIPD have a series of videos about that and I talk about it. I'm the face <laughs> But yeah. just, to, just to kind of back myself out of that corner, my <laughs> sense was the influence piece. Yeah. Uh, and I was deliberately trying to say to people, don't be apologetic about being in HR. And actually what I should have said is, that bit that you just talked about, about backing the unpopular stuff. Because yeah. there is this thing about business ethics, isn't there? Yes. And, and sometimes it feels like HR, I've got to play that card really, really strongly. Yes. And other times professionals will go, that's not my responsibility yeah. to do that. But who's the conscience then? <laughs> yeah. And, and conscience must come into the work yeah. you're doing around inclusion and stuff. Yeah, but con yeah. conscious and courage can yeah. cost you your job. Yeah. And I've been there. Yeah, yeah, I lost yeah. my job because right. of courage. Right, right. Um, it was back in, the, in, in, in New York. I was yeah. the chief people officer for a real estate company. Okay. The chairperson wanted us to hire her nephew, I believe it was, who was not qualified, and we had a very qualified internal candidate. Um, I said no to it. And then she tried to cherry pick. She went to the operations MD, who they would have been working, and said, would you hire him? He said, no. Went to the um, chief marketing officer, said no. Went to the CEO, said no. Right. She fired the whole leadership team. Wow. Fired the whole leadership team because we wouldn't hire this individual. That's what courage can get you. So just, you know, when people talk about courage, realize yeah. you can lose your job over courage. Yeah. Now, yeah. we got reinstated okay. <laughs> five months later. But yeah, courage yeah. And, 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 you know, it's not to be taken lightly in yeah. the HR profession and yeah. conscious because, yeah. you know, doing the right thing yeah. doesn't come without cost. And so yeah. I, I always caution people when they talk about it, yeah. you know, re realize, you know, the, yeah. the, the flip side of doing the right thing, may that, you know, you may be end up on the wrong side. Yeah of that um yeah. so there's just a practical you know aspect to that yeah there's there's definitely uh <laughs> traps to avoid right <laughs> yeah. uh, and sometimes cliches and i talk about word confetti a lot on linkedin some of these things drive me nuts yeah. when people kind of say oh just go and find something you love it's like I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure the last time i could cash in some love to get my coffee yes. so um but the, but the commercial thing uh is an interesting thing because um i recall some research that said diverse 
diverse boards and and more inclusive approaches have equaled commercial success. There's yeah. almost been some causal trails. Either McKinsey tried it and and or published it, and others have have done that. I mean, is that a necessary thing? You think that we have to create that explicit a kind of look? Your money goes up if you. Do you know? What I mean, do yeah. we have to do that or or what? Well, again, if I if I reduce this down to hardcore language yeah. of the business. It's about your return on investment. So, yeah. I mean, so if, you, if you've invested in this talent, you can leave it yep. or you could try to unlock the value in it. There you go. And so it, it's a ROI. Yeah. I hate to be that cold-hearted yeah, yeah. business person, yeah. but for an organization, why are you doing this? Yeah. I mean, so, and, and that's, that's the fundamental question. Yeah. Are you doing this just to be performative for yeah. the optics yeah. or are you doing this because you think there's value yeah. to it? Um, and if there's value to it, then unlock it. If you're exactly. doing it just to be performative, as yeah. many companies are, they have not even thought about how do we unlock it. We just know it's there. I can see a, a kind of a, a meme with performative and performance because they're so <laughs> similar, right? Yeah. And, and it, yeah, there's, there's something really powerful about that. And the questions you want to ask yourself about, like you say, the why, the, the whole rationale behind it, the emotiveness and the humanity, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in and, 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 and a world we love, Perry, imagine yeah. you had six number one draft picks sitting on yeah. the bench versus them starting on the field. Exactly that. You know, who do you yeah. think's unlocking the value of their investment? Well, you exactly. know, all things being equal. And yeah. and that's what many companies are. They they yeah. they have their um top round draft picks yeah. sitting on the bench. I know, I know. It seems Same, an absolute but look, travesty. We yeah. drafted some good talent from good yeah. places. But did you deploy it? Like, yeah. so did you unlock it? <laughs> yeah. Um, so there is a lot of unlocking, and I think there is something about the strategy that an organisation has, and perhaps how that trickles through to business plans and therefore activities. Do you think that there's something we can do in the artifact narration side of organisations that could could bring more of this to a a, a more kind of conclusive and positive and action oriented? Yeah, yeah. Some of the work we've done with um, you know, many, some of the work of many. I'm not sure that's the right um, yeah. iteration, but you know, yeah. work, work work we've done with, with many of our clients yeah. is you know we we call it a strategic narrative or I different say. branding. Yeah, and we we help them bring the issue of diversity and inclusion yeah. into their business plan. Great, um, because many of them see HR, yep. diversity, whatever it may be, as something over here. And I saw even, you know, just in my HR days, HR is something I do in my yeah. spare time. Yeah. I just need to run my business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you can show that, yeah. you know, embedding this into your business will help you deal with some of your objectives and some yeah. of your challenges even more so, yeah. um, then yeah. a light bulb goes off yeah. and then the journey is really starting. Yeah. Um, so until they have that time to reflect and yeah. think about how do I bring this into my yeah. business objectives? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, it becomes it becomes yeah. um, difficult. So yeah. if it's in the music industry and, you know, yeah. they realize, you know, a major music stream for us is hip-hop and yeah. R&B. Yeah. And I need to understand that audience. Yeah. Um, that's a perspective that's Completely. important. You know, it, it becomes part of, you know, exactly. the air they breathe. Exactly. It's, not, it's not separate. And like exactly. I say, every organization has their equivalent of their barrels on the table, yeah. you, you have to bring it into that. Yeah. You have to bring it into that. 
And, and so that, that's reassuring for me because I think there is something about declarations, but also then the really strong sense that they aren't just rhetorical yeah. Yeah, positioning. And we, we hear about people purpose washing, and I'm sure there are people EDI washing, yes. like you say, for <laughs> yeah. optics and for the right thing. But it, it, it's the translation into everyday and, and, and noticeable things, yeah. right? So we've, we've got to pick up signals, haven't we, about this? And, and I love to think that there's some way we can get better at this kind of infinity loop type of thing where it's like we declare, we do, and then people go, yes, it's made a difference, but, and it kind of loops back yes. in so it shapes it. Um, and I don't know whether your work with clients does this almost like this is how you can make it sustainable. So it's not just a kind of peak and then it disappears yeah. and then it peaks again with yeah. the next crisis. The, I mean, the, that must drive you nuts. The biggest multiplier mm. in all of this, but it's not just in DNI, it's in HR. The biggest multiplier is the CEO. Right. Is that, you know, I always okay. say, you know, what what <clears throat> what interests my boss fascinates me. Oh, there you go. Yeah, nice. <laughs> you know? oh, and, yeah. so, and so, you know, it, the, the CEO has to make it part of their agenda, right. part of their business plan, their yeah. strategy. Yeah. So, you know, the bankers, notwithstanding, the you know, and all their sins, if you ever looked at J.P. Morgan Chase and Jamie Dimon. Yes. Jamie, to me, I mean, because people always say, Who, who's doing it right yeah. in the UK? And yeah. I struggle in the UK. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. But see, look, look, look at, look at, Jane, at Jamie yeah. Dimon yeah. and, and, and J.P. Morgan. Mm. And, you know, even on an analyst call where, yeah. you know, it's pretty yeah. quantitative. Yeah. Jamie will weave into it just, you know, the diversity strategy, right. what they're doing. You, okay. you look at their website, you look at their business plan. Okay. You know, they, they have, I mean, it's a, it's a U.S. thing, but, you know, he has a, a recruiter who's in charge of recruiting black talent. Okay, right. Um, and I think they may have even been advertising yeah. for one of those in the U.K. Yeah, also. Yeah. He's very explicit about it. Right. It's part of his business plan. Yeah. Um, it's okay. part of everything he does. You need the CEO to, um, yeah. you know, for lack of a better term, have a come to Jesus moment, yeah, as we would yeah, say yeah, in the yeah, South. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And, you know, once the CEO grabs it, engages with it, the multiplier effect, it fa it'll fascinate his or her leadership team and, and on the way down. Right. So you can put in every program, every initiative you want, but unless yeah. you got the CEO yeah. in that town hall, yeah. in those moments of truth, yeah. who really believes it's important to their yeah. business saying it, it tends to, to, to suffer and go up and down. Yeah, that's so it. the CEO has to believe it. And, yeah. and you know, that's, that's where our effort is. is to try and there. create that kind of, constant exponentiality rather than yeah. yeah yeah and and you you really really reminded me there that there are times with things like sustainability is one talent mobility is another yeah. race and inclusion and disability and gender and everything everything else that has a form of kind of categorization we kind of need to make a thing of it but then we don't, yeah. if that makes sense. And yes. again, it's another paradox, isn't it? Because if we don't make a thing of it, it seems to dissipate. And then some people say, but you're making too big a thing of it. It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, what? Yeah. We, yeah. we kind of need to hear it and feel it yes. until such point as maybe there is in the future, I don't know when that is, where we can never say it's done, of course, but it's almost like, but perhaps we just don't need to be as differentiated about it anymore? Yeah. I don't know. Do you... Do you see a point where you would love to sit back and kind of go, well, at least they've got it, and uh, and that's replicating? Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, I I I hope for that. Right. I, I I think I I think the the winners will be who get to the point 
before they have to. Exactly. Imagine a FTSE company back in 2019 saying all our employees can work from home three days a week, four day a week. Imagine, you know, any FTSE company in 2019 saying we're going to let our employees work from home. Where they would be in the the talent race. Um, So whatever that next, you know, destination is, um, you know, be, be it about leadership, be it about yeah. DNI, yeah. be it about inclusion, you know, um, be it about empowering yeah. employees. Who, whoever can get there before they have to, yeah, will be the winner. It will, won't it? And and, and that you hope becomes not just a cut and paste, but an exemplar of people to do what you said right at the outset of this. Contextualize it yeah. to them. Yeah, no, it's not a cut and paste. No. We, we 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 we've had the 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 privilege of working, like I said, with four of the five yeah, broadcasters. Yeah, yeah. We've been behind the curtain, yeah. um, and I could tell you, it's not an industry issue in no. terms of talent. Right. It's so, contextual wow, to each one of them. You know, the BBC's challenges yeah. are not the same as ITV or right. Channel 4s or right. Paramount Plus. Right. Right. Why would they be? They have different leadership. Yeah. They have different HR policies, yeah. different cultures. You know, it's yeah. not the same. Yeah. So, so yeah, you you, you yeah. wouldn't be able to cut and paste yeah. something from the BBC yeah. into Paramount Plus, for example. I think that's reassuring because I hear a lot of people saying, uh, I've seen what they do and that's what <laughs> I'm going to do. Right? Yeah. And I do kind of have one of those wobbly moments where it's like, oof, good luck with yeah, that. And, but again, that goes back to where's our alpha performance mindset by just doing what everyone else does it's beta performance and what i find too much in hr is that it's beta performance we are we are very good followers yeah yeah you know and maybe fast followers yeah sure but um we we're not we're not you know willing to be leaders in in, in, and doing it to shake up the competition I think there's a couple of real strong themes that I'm moving around in my mind now to kind of go, perhaps I've got something now where I can stand more firmly in it because I've now created a stronger association with transformation being the absolute thing that you do and included within that. Yes. Is how you equalize and include and bring all those things that I think we want to be fair to all about yeah right? yeah uh, and then i think there's something lovely about the kind of constantness of it paying attention to it in in a way that i guess we see the energy companies having safety briefings every day whether yes. you need it or not right yeah <clears throat> it's like we just do it why'd you do it because if we don't do it the one day we don't do it is when we might yeah. need it and we won't Yes. So uh, I I am less bothered now about making a thing out of it versus having it so that you don't need to make a thing out of it. Well, it's interesting you say that because I've used that analogy, particularly in those process industries that I work with, is that they need to treat emotional and mental safety the same way they treat physical safety. Oh, hang on to that. Oh. And in those companies that have a strong safety culture, that resonates. That resonates, you know. So why would you not treat mental and emotional safety the same way? Physical safety says, if I see something wrong on that rig, I can shut the rig down. I can call it out. Yeah. Well, create a culture where emotionally and mentally, if you see something wrong, you can shut it down, shut the rig down, call it out. Very easily translation to say, you know, treat physical and emotional safety the same way you treat physical safety. super powerful, isn't it? 
because I mean it's all encompassing for a start, so you know yeah. it doesn't denominate it in any way. But actually, it's the it's the it's the thing that it creates in the sense of I can do this right? yeah. at an individual level. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, why well, you know, you, you don't want anyone going home at the end of their work day with any physical harm. Exactly. You, you don't want them going home with any mental or emotional harm. I mean, wow, it talks to everything, Frank, well-being-wise and, and so on, right? Yeah. So, okay, there, well, there's a couple of, I'll, I won't call them secret um, weapons here because they're not a secret now you've revealed them, but they are kind <laughs> of big ticket. Yeah, I've given away all my IP here to you. you are, there, I, don't, I don't know what I'm going to do for a however, living now. <laughs> What yeah. I understand from the world out there is um, there's a lot more yeah. uh, for a start. But equally, like, as you say, the context is really, really yes. important. And and I guess what you are doing, so I'm almost kind of wrapping up a yeah. little bit here, yeah. is what, what you're doing when you're going into those organisations is you are kind of absorbing quite a lot of their culture I and their essence, aren't you? Yeah. And, and, and I'm guessing that's shaping your worldview and how you deal with things anyway. Yeah, I, I just, when I, when I speak, Perry, I just say it's just lessons from the battlefield. That's it. It's yeah. not academic. Yeah. Yeah, it's not yeah, a book. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm in the trenches. Yeah. You know, I'm having the live experience with the employees. Yeah. I'm one-to-one with the yeah. senior execs. And yeah, it, it shapes me and and, yeah. and hopefully I I I give yeah. something back um through that absorption. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It, it's you know, it, it, it's I, I've been out there. Nice. Um, so you must be on like Frank 16.2 or something, <laughs> right? Yeah. But I, I actually yeah. love this thought. That again, it comes to what I said earlier on about beliefs and stuff. It's people say you can't change your beliefs. It's like, you know what? There'll be circumstances that will mean you have to reassemble them in a way yes. that's commensurate to what what's needed. But I think there is something really nice about us being upgradable in the nicest possible sense. Yes, learning our way into and out of things that aren't helpful to us and other people, and just the tuning and the signalling and the sensitivity and the calling out and the holding the interests yeah. of others in mind yes right? that i think it's almost like that's that that to me sounds like what being a human is all about yeah 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 wow. you, 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 you have to, yeah i mean yeah. I, I i probably this probably will not resonate with three quarters of the audience okay but there you there we go yeah it's an american football analogy okay and 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 I use it, and then I try to explain it, okay. which defeats the point of using it. But I, you know, I, I say, you know, business is, is like American football. You go up to the line, yep. and as a quarterback, there are times you have to call an audible. Yep, I know what that means. You have to say, okay, this Adjust isn't what we plan. Let's change direction. Yeah, and I think the agile company, yeah, um, is the is the ability of an organization and a leadership. On a day-to-day basis, month-to-month, year-to-year basis, the winners will be those who are able oh, yeah. to call an audible. Oh, yeah. Change the play oh, because yeah. the assumptions oh, yeah. have also changed oh, yeah. as opposed to let's just go straight ahead with this because that's the oh, way yeah. we planned it. And I think that's where HR needs to be also. Oh, I love that. I'm just going to pull on that a little bit because that requires the people in and around that yeah. to know what their role has now shifted to as a result of that audible. Exactly. Right? And if we're HR and that audible is in a particular dynamic, yeah. we know we're either going to run a route that's got a particular kind of nature or we're going to block somebody from doing yeah. what yeah. we don't want them to do. So Yeah, we're probably the only two people who understand that. We are. We absolutely <laughs> are. Podcast, but, and, yeah. wow. People need to you know, expand That's their cultural um, yeah. lexicon, so I'll let them go out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, a very, it's been great. 
Do you know who popped into my head yeah. when you said that? Lionel Manuel. <laughs> now, that's a giant name from the past, yes. right? Uh, that was the Phil Sims, Mark Bavaro yes. era. <laughs> yeah. Joe Morris, what a running back. Yeah. But I always liked Maurice Carthon as the best blocking fullback <laughs> I'd seen in a long time. Yeah. Uh, right, so we're going to end on an uh, NFL um, <laughs> yes. metaphor. And we've yeah. actually shared yeah. uh, a couple of NFL experiences, yeah. and I've enjoyed those, Frank. But I haven't enjoyed uh, uh, any of that until uh, this. That has very nicely blown my mind and actually soothed and sparked my soul no. <laughs> in equal measure. Uh, and, and it's funny, you know, because the word soul means a lot to me because of the music I like, but I also love the human soul. So when I say soulful, it's the ultimate accolade. That's the most soulful exchange I've had well, in thanks. a long time, Frank. So thank you very much. Thank you. Very kind. And, and thanks for inviting me on. <laughs>